devil in the detail. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Devil in the Detail, Salford Red Devils independent fan podcast with me, Rob Paxton. Big news, just breaking by the club, Josh Griffin is to leave Salford Red Devils and join Hull FC for the 2017 season. That's the big news uh, for tonight. Well, joining on the show this week to talk all about, we've got Paul Whiteside, right Paul? Hey Rob, you alright mate? You had a good week, apart from the uh, the big news about Griffin? Yeah, I've just heard that tonight. It come a, comes a bit of a shock, that really. I knew, I knew he was out of contract, but um, I wasn't expecting him to, to go to Hull FC, but you know we're just going to have to uh, deal with it, I suppose, now, aren't we? Yeah, well, if, so, that's where he's going. Yeah, like I say, we'll talk all about that in the news, uh, but else, what else have we got on the news this week, Paul? We've got the news, we've got a review of the Wakefield victory on Friday, we've got the amateur report and we've also got a preview of the big match against Wigan this coming Friday. Cool, so what we'll do now, uh, we'll talk about the big news that's breaking uh, regarding Salford Red Devils. So, Josh Griffin uh, is to move to Hull FC in 2017, our three-year contract, Paul. Um, is he going to be a big loss for Salford, do you think? Uh, yeah, I think it'll be a loss to solve. I don't, I don't know about a big loss because we've got sort of players in that position. I'm sure Tim Sheens and Ian Watson, you know, were prepared for this because he's out of contract, isn't he? So they've probably had been having talks with him, you know, since the start of the season. So I'm sure they've got somebody lined up to to replace him. But no one's irreplaceable, are they? So I'm sure we'll uh, we'll be able to sort that out. But I'm disappointed because I know when Josh came, he was. I remember watching him when he made his debut. And he looked very green, and um, you know, very sort of raw, and he's. To see how he's improved, he's probably one of the most improved players at the club, aren't he, over the last couple of years. So, uh, you know, we're not going to get to see the see the benefits of it, are we, really? So it's a bit annoying, really, but, um, you know, good good luck to him because he's, he's been a good servant. Yeah, he's been fantastic this season and he's one of our sort of our big players, Paul, for me. And, you know, I think it's a, a big sign, like a sign uh, on Jose Marwan. He comes out and says, you know, no one's going to take our best players off us. But, you know, in this situation, if a best player wants to leave, um, you know, I suppose it's you know you have to let him go if if he wants to go and he and we can't fit him under our salary cap. Yeah, I suppose I suppose he's not actually being taken off as is he, he's it's not as if they've come in and offered a load of money for him and we can't compete with that. His, his contract has come to an end and you know he's going to move somewhere else. So I mean, if you can't force a player to sign a new contract, so he obviously doesn't want to stay at Salford and he's got you know he wants to go to Hull, but. The, the question I'd want to ask Josh is, uh, you know, why why he wants to leave? I mean, there must be something in in that way he doesn't want to stay at Salford. I mean, you know, he, he obviously lives around Man- the Manchester area. It's a very cosmopolitan place, isn't it, Manchester Salford? And why would you want to not disrespecting Hull or anything, but why would you want to go go up there to Hull? Because every time I've been, there's not that much happening up there. But obviously, he um, he wants to go there. So uh, so good luck to him when he moves on. Yeah, he, he says he's looking uh, for international uh, honours. And he believes Hull is, is the best club for him to you know to help him do that, Paul. Um, obviously, we we've got you know lots of cover in that area. Uh, Marwan has come out and he says sometimes we need to let players leave that cannot that we kind of cannot afford to pay them what they are worth because of the salary cap. I know he's got big issues with it with the salary cap, and obviously you know this shows that you know Griffin playing so well, you know, and we want to pay him the top dollar, but but we can't. Mm, I'm not so sure on that one really, but yeah, Hull can. So have they got a bigger salary cap than us. I don't. I don't know about that. I think that's just a bit of a screen that really for Mao. And I think at the end of the day, if a player wants to leave, he, he wants to leave. Don't he? It obviously, sounds to me like Josh Griffiths made his mind up, and that's why he's not signed a contract. So, like I said, the question I want to ask him is why he wants to leave. He obviously wants to leave for a reason. I don't think money's going to come into it. I don't think you know that that's anything to do with it really. I think he's. If I'm honest, I think he sees Hull as a as a bigger club than us, and he says it there himself, doesn't he? About playing internationally, he obviously doesn't think he's gonna play for England while he's at Salford, and that's that's a shame, really. And you know, it's uh, it's just the way things are at the moment, I suppose. Yeah, he's put a message on for for the Salford fans on Twitter. He says, over the last two and a half years, the club have gave me another chance to play Super League, the chance for me to play with my brothers and some of the best players in Super League. There was also the last team my dad saw me play for. There have been some tough moments but I love playing for the club on a weekly on the weekend especially this year the club is in the best place I've seen it and definitely heading in the right direction I've made some great friends that will last a lifetime I want to thank the fans especially you have shown me nothing but love since day one and for that I'm thankful there might not be a lot of you but you are a passionate loyal bunch I'm going to presume uh, but you know it's, it's a bit gutting 
like I said, but looking at you know the squad we've got, Paul, you know we've we've got players there who now can can step up and and hopefully take the shirt off him for next season. Well, that's right. I mean, this this weekend um, against Wakefield, we had Josh Jones and Junior Sow in the centre. I mean, Junior Sow's improved tenfold this season, hasn't he? So, you know, we've just won our last two games without Josh Griffin. So, you know, I think we're doing all right at the moment, and you know, I think we I think we'll be able to replace him. I don't think it's all you know all lost, is it? Really? I mean, he's moved on, and you know, it's as, as much as sad as it is to see a player go when he's progressed and improved. And uh, you know, it, it's a bit annoying, really, because I've seen it before. You know, with players leaving. You know, we we really improve them, and then they sort of move on somewhere else and come into fruition when they move to somewhere else. That's the only the gutting thing, really. But you know, that's just the way it is. Yeah, I think obviously, you know, looking looking at he's he's decided to move on. We we've got some good players, you know, that that, that we can you know bring in uh, hopefully, Paul. And and you know, it's all about you know spending the money wisely. And obviously, you know, with the the resources we've got in the backs, you know, now with the money we've got. Available, we might be able to sign a, a couple of forwards maybe to bolster that area. That's right, that's right. And don't forget, you've got a, a young lad called Jake Bibby who's coming through as well, who's looking like he, he could be a good a good prospect at centre. Uh, played again on um, on Friday night against Wakefield, had a good game at, at Magic. So, yeah, no, all's not lost. There's always somebody else who, who fills the shoes, isn't there? And like you say about forwards, you know, that is somewhere where we definitely need to strengthen, I think. Uh, for next season, you know, in the pack, we need a bit. Of, I think we need a bit more grunt up front, definitely. You know, in the in the in the front row, and um, I'm sure that's somewhere that Ian and, and Tim will be looking at strengthening. With, with him being injured though at the moment, obviously it's, it's not a. It doesn't become an issue. Obviously, we we know he's 100 uh, committed to the cars, but obviously when he gets fit, do we do we bring him back in or do we do we let you know the players who you know are going to be here next season, you know, continue and and fight for the shirt. I don't. It's a tough one, that really. Isn't it? it just depends. I, I've never been a big fan of this announcing where you go until next season. I mean, really, wouldn't it be better even if Josh has signed for somebody else, just keeping it between him and Marwan until we've played our last game of the eights or whenever it may be this season, and then announcing it. Who's gained anything by announcing this? Now it's. It just seems strange. A strange announcement, really. Isn't it? Like I'm. I'm not going to be here next season. So, I mean, there's always going to be sceptical supporters who are going to say. Well, he's not giving 100% now for Salford because he's signed for Hull. I mean, I'm not one of them, but there will be, won't they? It's just the way of the world. So, really, why why don't they just keep it under wraps? I don't I don't know, but you'd have to ask Ian and Tim whether he, he features in their plans for the rest of the season. I'm sure he will do because he's a very useful player, Josh, and he's a goal kicker as well. So, so I'm sure he'll, he'll he'll play again in a red shirt. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. I suppose it's important now that we get you know other players that have you know coming towards the end of contract signed up, Paul, uh, for next season because obviously you know the Vultures might be circling other players as well. Yeah, definitely. I think Tommy Lee's one of them as well, isn't he? And you know, I know he's been dogged by injury, hasn't he, this season and last season. And I saw Tommy on Monday at the uh, at the training day, and that, and he, you know, he's disappointing. He, he's he's missed quite a lot of games, and, that, and I know he's one that's out of contract. So I'm not so sure who else is out of contract. I don't know whether I've heard rumours that Niall's out of contract, but I don't think he is. I think he signed an extended one. So, uh, so yeah, I just hope they are sitting down with people and and tying them down, especially some of the younger players and. Um, one player, if we haven't tied down, is, is Ryan Lannan. We've got to tie him down because he had a wow of a game on Friday. So uh, I'm sure clubs will be sniffing around him definitely because he'd look. So a lot of reaction, Paul, uh, on our Facebook page for the Josh Jones. Josh Jones, not Josh Jones. Josh Griffin. Griffin. That would be I'd be even worse, Josh Jones. Josh Griffin going to, to Hull FC. Um, Tony Dell, uh, he said, can only assume that we have someone lined up either being promoted to the first team or brought in he have always given his all and we will miss him top player uh, Jason Burgess gutted been great for us and should have been given a longer contract like the other teams do with their better players but like you said if, if he wanted to go then there's nothing much the club can do about it though can they Paul? No it's very hard these days and if you look at Theo last season um, he was under contract wasn't he and then sort of went on strike and, and then went so I think if a player wants to go it's very very difficult to to keep him, I suppose, in it today, in the way things are now. If a player says he wants to go, you can offer him all sorts, can't you? And say you're going to do this and that to him, play him in the reserves and that. But you're not. Hey, if he's going to go, he's going to go, isn't he? So he might, Salford might have offered him a longer contract. We don't know what's happened, but they could have done. And Hull might have offered him more money. They might have offered him better terms. I don't know what they've offered him, but obviously he doesn't want to stay and he wants to go. Yeah, Adam uh, Wild gutted, but I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure either with depth we have at the centre at the minute. Uh, if Tim and Marwan have something up their sleeve, we can cope. Uh, good luck to him. Uh, Anthony Cardwell, being a top player for us this season, should have tried hard to keep hold of him. 
Tom uh, Grantham wants to play in the top eight side. Uh, Matt Kitt, great player, but if he doesn't want to play for us, then bye-bye. Um, James Hodgson can't stand his way if he wants to leave. Um, Lisa Bryler, devastated we lost a top player yet again. I suppose it, you know, looking back at the previous players that have left, the likes of uh, Turner and Myler and Ratchford, I suppose circumstances were different there. Um, and then they obviously wanted to, you know, it was different than that back then, wasn't it, Paul, really, with the money and everything? Yeah, but I was annoyed at the time with um, the Ratchford and Turner situation because they were good lads and I didn't, I never thought they got a fair chance. I mean, Sean McRae was the coach at the time, wasn't he? And he, he from where I was sat, he, he messed Stefan about quite a lot and didn't play him and dropped him to the bench, you know, kept him in the... I mean, if a player's good enough, he's old enough to play and he, he should have played him. I think, you know, that probably had a, a lot to do with why Stefan left in the end. Yeah. But, um, it was the same with Mark Sneed. I mean, we found him out on loan. That was Brian No one. It found him out on loan to Castleford and then he left and went to Hull. Sometimes you've got to, you've got to give these lads a bit of respect and play him, haven't you? But I know Josh has been playing and it's a, it's a different situation with Josh Griffin altogether. Yeah, and the final one, Colin Mudd, gutted, but no one is bigger than the team or irreplaceable. So we accept that we can't change it and move on. I think that's obviously the, the, the line we should take, really. That's it, and it's like, I suppose it's like when your girlfriend gives you the elbow, isn't it? You can't sit there going on about it, you've just got to get on with it, haven't you? And that's what we've got to do. He's gone now, and, you know, we're not going to persuade him to come back, are we? So we've just got to get on with it now and, you know, move and move on. And I'm sure, like we said before, Tim Sheen's and Ian Watson's got somebody lined up and uh, they're obviously not going to run without a centre next season. We're going to have players there. And, you know, at the moment, Josh is unfortunately out injured and we've been doing OK without him with the squad that we've got. So, you know, if we can bring somebody else in and, and bolster his position, that's even better. It's a class act. Right. So, next bit of news now we've got uh, on Friday when, when we play Wigan, uh, the club are having a, a Legends Day. Um, you know, cl- uh, club legends uh, from all different areas, areas are coming down, Paul, uh, onto yeah. the field and, and, you know, waving at the crowd and that's going to be a good day. Yeah, it is. It's great for the supporters to see, you know, players from the past and that, you know, especially the lads who played in the great sides of the 70s and, you know, there were some stars in the 80s and 90s as well, you know, some players that I can remember and some cult heroes of mine. I'm, I'm not too sure who's going, I've not heard, so it'll be a nice surprise to to see who, um, for, I think they're forming like a guard of honour, aren't they, when the players come out, so it'll be great to see some of the old faces. I mean, how good was it the last game of the Willows when you saw, you know, the likes of... Uh, I remember seeing Fatasini there and Ian Blees and people like, you know, people who, you know, I grew up watching and especially and and the likes of Chris Esketh and people like that as well. So so yeah, it's great to see the old faces there. Hopefully they're gonna generate a, a bigger crowd than there was at Wakefield. Three and a half thousand. Bit disappointing that Paul, but I, I think you you need to, you know, big events like this to, to plug them both online and in real life to get try and get the people of Salford to come and watch the game. Yeah, well, it wasn't even three and a half thousand. It was three thousand and twenty-two, and Wakefield brought quite a few as well. So, quite a disappointing crowd that for Friday. And it was a lovely night as well. So, you know, I think people go on holiday and stuff like that, don't they, in the summer? But it's, a, it's disappointing. It's a bit worrying, really, isn't it? Because you'd expect, you know, we had a good win at, at the Magic Weekend, and you'd expect to, to get a decent crowd for that. But you know, we've won two games on the trot now, and I'll expect Wigan to bring maybe a fifteen hundred to two thousand supporters. They usually bring quite a few. So, hopefully, on on Friday. You know, with that interest as well with the, the legends there, we might get a, a decent crowd. Yeah, and they've started uh, hopefully plugging it on the Facebook. And I just think with, with Twitter and Facebook, you're kind of talking to the converted people who are kind of engaged, you know, listening, you know, reading your tweets and your Facebook. But obviously with a with crowd, we're trying to build a crowd out. We're trying to get involved. You know, with the people of Salford and the surrounding areas, I think we need to go out there and, and, and obviously pound the streets and drop your leaflets and, and you know, try and t- entice people who may not be engaged. To, to come into the club, Paul. Yeah, definitely. I mean, where this where the stadium is now, um, where the old stadium was in Weest, I think a lot of the, the supporters who watched us at the old stadium go to the new stadium, don't they? But you look at where the new stadium is. You've got like Ermston, Flixton, all sort of parts like the newer end um, that probably supporters who didn't go to the old ground. You've got like untapped people there who, who probably don't know about Salford. I mean, if you asked. You know, people who live around there, you know, where the Salford play. I mean, probably a lot of them don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how many people from that area actually go to the new stadium, whether it's just people who went to the old stadium. I'm not too sure. But there's an awful lot of people in Salford and Manchester, isn't there? So you've got a big pool of people to, to get to and uh, to publicise Salford. I think that's what we need to do a bit more of. Yeah, hopefully, like I say, we'll continue to generate publicity and, and get the uh, the people of Salford and Manchester to, co- to come down and, 
and build the crowd because that's what we need, Paul. We need, we need more fans through the turnstile uh, and hopefully, you know, you know, a couple more wins and, and continue our climb up to the top eight uh, and the, the crowds will come. Yeah, and I think so as well. And a lot of the time, you know, you need that momentum, don't you, to start winning games. I mean, if you don't, if you go back to like the 2006 season when we, we had a really good run, got into the playoffs, the crowds were up, weren't they? We were getting sort of five or six thousand. I mean, it just doesn't sound a lot, five, six, seven thousand. But it is, it's, a, it's more than what we're getting now. It's double what we're getting now, really, isn't it? Where we're only getting sort of 4,000. So if we could hit the 7,000 mark every week, that, that'd be something, that I think. And, um, it, you know, it does, it takes, takes wins and people then, you know, the momentum grows and people start to come. Whereas, you know, this season we've seen a few false dawns and we've won two games on the spin and then went to Castleford in the cup and got beat. So hopefully now we've, we've won at Magic, we've beat Wakefield, we've got a big game against a big side in Wigan. If you can turn Wigan over, then supporters, float, the average floating supporter might think, well, you know, perhaps they really are starting to turn a corner Salford. So, yeah, I think results on the pitch are ever important in uh, getting the crowds back as well. Yeah, I think so. the floating fans, you know, are the ones that we need to kind of go and get for me. Um, also, you know, like on the, on the Monday, the um, Open Day poll, events like that, you know, enticing fans into to see the club and, you know, hopefully, you know, a few fans who've went down who aren't, you know, necessarily so fans on a, you know, a full-time yeah. basis, let's call it. My, my yeah. fans who will come down and, and, and watch a game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, floating fans, as you say it there, is is the word. I mean, if you had a pound for every time you spoke to somebody, you said, oh, yeah, I used to go to Salford years ago. You know, taxi drivers, people like used to say it to you all the time, didn't you? We know that we've got a hardcore support of about 2,500 people who would go week in, week out, you know, no, no rain or shine or whatever, don't you? But it's just getting those floating supporters as well. I mean, if you if you strip, say, lead rhinos down, they get sort of 16, 17,000 at home. But how many of them people do they take away? They probably don't take as many away supporters as we do. So their hardcore following is probably no much more than ours. If they was as bad as we've been over the last sort of 30, 40 years, they'd be the same as us. I think they only grow because people go with the success, don't they? So the floating supporters are the people we need to try and attract. Yeah, I agree with that, Paul. I think I read somewhere that I think one in every three Salford fans go away from home. Which is, you know, a really good, you know, proportion of hard, let's say, hardcore fans. You do. We t- we take a really good following. I go to most of the away games, and 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 you do. It's the same faces you see there every week, and you know the the loyal people, passionate people who go week in week out, and you can't knock that. And not every team has that. I mean, you look at the sides that come to solve, and just going back to Leeds, there's an example. The amount of pots and pans they've won over the last ten years, and how many supporters did they bring to Salford? You know, a couple of months ago when we beat them fourteen ten. I was lucky if there's about 300 supporters there. So, you know, we have got some really passionate and, and loyal supporters. And and that's that's fantastic. But you just need to grow that now, don't we? And um, I don't know, get them sort of, what can we call them, bandwagon supporters. But once they start coming and you get a bit of success, they'll keep coming, won't they? So that's what we need to do. I suppose the, the club are doing, you know, the, the, the groundwork. They're in the amateur club, yeah. Paul, and the, the schools. And, you know, they, they are trying that. And, you know, they've got to be applauded for that, I think. They certainly do, and, and, and hats off to the foundation as well. I think they do an awful lot. I was speaking to John Blackburn on uh, on Monday at the Fans Day, and you know the amount of work that people like John put in, uh, you know, that a lot of that work goes unsung, really, doesn't it? Sometimes, and we don't often hear about it. So, uh, yeah, hats off to them. They, they are doing the best. Uh, some people at the club. Yeah, and also looking at uh, events as well. The club are, high, are having uh, the Salford Devil Foundation are having a multi-sport holiday camp. Paul, uh, it's at Salford City Roosters. Uh, Malt Hall Sports Centre at Holdsworth Road in Eccles. The postcode is M37LS. Um, it's basically run from the 8th of August to the 10th of August, the 15th of August to the 17th of August, and the 22nd of August to the 24th of August. It's £15 a day or £30 for three days. All kinds of stuff going on. They've got rugby, they've got dance, uh, they've got football. It's, it's, it's you know For the kids, it's, it's a marvellous thing in the summer holidays. And, you know, uh, it's really good the club are doing this kind of thing. Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, it's great. It's great for the kids, isn't it? You know, getting getting young kids down to the game, and you do see a lot of, a lot of youngsters at the game. I think you see a lot more young kids there than you sort of did when I first started going. I know we had the, the junior reds and what have you then, but yeah, anything like that's brilliant. And if it keeps the kids entertained and uh, and the holidays, it's great. I know my kids are off this week, and it's hard work <laughs> keeping kids entertained in the half term and holidays, especially in the six weeks holidays as well. Yeah, is it? It's hard work. But is it? Is it thirty quid's worth of hard work, Paul? For three days. I'd pay 60 quid to get rid of my kids <laughs> for three days. But no, no, I think it's great. I think they, they enjoy that, don't they, as well? And, uh, you know, 
the links we've got at the moment with uh, the Salford City Roosters and Caddy Z and teams like that, I think it's brilliant. My, my, mine and the, and the wife have gone on holiday for a week and left me all alone in here. Yeah, you're all right. So you're all right. I've got two weeks off with me, kids. <laughs> Just sitting here, chilling. Normally up, I'm normally upstairs, tucked away in the, like in the back room, trying to you know pretending I'm not there. So yeah, my son don't walk in. But now, sat in a bit more chill tonight, aren't we? Beer, I've got a beer about the side of me, just chilling. There's no stress in my in my world right now. That's good. That's good. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> all, if you're interested in, in taking the uh, the you know this um, activity. Um, program put on by the Salford Red Devils Foundation, uh, contact them on 0161 786 1591 or you can email joanne.shepherd at Uh So hopefully we get lots of people uh, down there and, and they'll have a you know, really good holiday, have a, have a good holiday uh, activity, Paul. Yeah, yeah, that should be brilliant. That, you know, get, get down there and enjoy it because uh, it sounds good to me, that. Cool. So that's all the news we've got so far. Um, now what we'll do, we'll talk about the uh, the game against Wakefield, which we won on Friday. You're listening to Devil in the Detail, and this is your big match review. So Salford beat Wakefield Trinity Wildcats on Friday at the AJ Bells, thirty-eight points to eight. Paul, a great result, really good performance. It was a brilliant performance, yeah. It was, uh, you know, the first half was a tight one, uh, as we'll probably come to it shortly. But the second half, we really got to, got into Wakefield and, and blitzed them with those three tries in five minutes that blew them away. Yeah, it was a good strong side. Uh, Ian Watson put out, wasn't it? Yeah, Salford started with Gareth O'Brien at fullback, Nia Levels on the wing, uh, Josh Jones and Junior Sow in the centres, Daniel Vito on the other wing. The halfbacks were Robert Lewis and Michael Dobson. Craig Kopjack, Logan Tompkins and George Griffin with the front row. Ben Murdoch, Masala, Wella Haraki, Mark Flanagan at loose forward. And the substitutes bench was Adam Walm, Phil and Joseph, Ryan Lennon and Jake Bibber. Yeah, Salford started well. Uh, in the first two minutes, Evel's going over for a little kick from Michael Dobson. You know, great start and just what we needed. Yeah, it was a super kick from Dobson. That, and, you know, Niall finished it really well because there wasn't a lot of room for him there. You know, he had to just get the ball down before it went over the dead ball line and he finished it brilliantly. And uh, that was a great start for us. Two minutes on the clock, it was a perfect start. Yeah, and then obviously, you know, the arm wrestle got back involved there. Wakefield hit back after 27 minutes through Tupu. You know, moved out wide. Salford's defence didn't slide over quick enough. Big, big ball back inside and they crashed over. Four all, 27 minutes gone, Paul. You know, it was a tough contest. It was. I mean, you know, if, when you look at the final score of 38-8, it was, it was four apiece after 38 minutes. Uh, you know, two minutes before half time, it's four points apiece. We weren't really expecting that, but it was a tough arm wrestle in the first half. You know, Wakefield scoring that try. They'd had a few sets of six on our line, a couple of penalties, and we couldn't sort of hold them out there. But four apiece, yeah, it was, it was a tight first half. Yeah, and then uh, Danny Kerman got put in the sin bin uh, for a deliberate trip, Paul. Um, it was it was playing as 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 light in the sky. Uh, you know, it was deserved his, his yellow card, possibly red one. What do you think? Well, yeah, that's, I seem to remember years ago when I first started watching rugby league. I'm sure um, a trip was a red card, um, but obviously the rules have changed and what have you since then. And I think it, I think yellow card was justified. Really, I was watching him on the Super League show, Danny Kerman, and he actually said, "Oh, there was no malice in it," and, and what have you. And I was thinking, "Yeah, right." But just you know, watching it back on the video, it, it, it looked like he, he just got wrong footed, really, and he's just an instinct, I think, to stick his leg. I don't think he. You know, purposely wanted to injure anybody, but quite rightly a yellow card. Um, and then obviously we we scored then with with Ryan Lannan going over. Yeah, great try by Lannan stepping off his right, stepping his left, going round the fullback like he's not even there. You know, this kid he's got ooze his talent, Paul, and, and you know he comes up with magic moments like that. Yeah, and that's the sort of try and play that will bring crowds in to watch Salford. That was a fantastic bit of play. That I mean. The way he scored that it was that was worth the entrance money on Friday night for me. The way the way he sort of stepped there and and went through that gap that was quality. You don't see tries like that at Salford every week, and you know to watch him shoot through there and you know, about fifty yards there, and he showed a lot of pace for the forward, and no one was going to get anywhere near him. And I was delighted for him because I, I thought he was up there for man of the match on on Friday night. He's he's a player that is getting better every week, and he's going to be a very special player for Salford as uh, as Ryan. Yeah, he's definitely one for the present and one for the future. Uh, Paul, and you know he, he did it before in a, in a friendly against Wigan uh, pre-season, he did, yeah. and he, he's got the he's got the skills, and who knows it, he could be one of our you know big players in, in the pack you know for years to come. 
Yeah, he certainly could. He's got the skills, he's got the pace, he's got the size as well. And I think one thing that he has got that, you know, people don't always mention, I think he's got, you can't coach this either, he's got the aggression. Um, I've seen a lot of players over Salford at the years, I'm not going to name them, but certain players who've, who look like they've got it, but they've not got that, that aggression and you can't coach that into a player. That's, you know, that's part of a player's character. And he, he's got that, he's got that edge. And um, he reminds me a bit of a sort of a young Adrian Marler. And um, no, it's fascinating watching him develop, and you know I think he'll he'll go great for us. Yeah, Salford led at ten four, and then on the buzzer, Salford pushing to extend the lead, kick to the corner, and uh, Ben Jones Bishop hacks down. Uh, is it Evels? As it was Nile Evels, yeah. He was running through then. He just, he just, he was blatant. It was so blatant, really. You know, he tugs him back, and referee's got no option, really. I mean, he saved the try. We'd have scored there, so Nile was 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 through. Um, so I think it was the right decision once again. Yeah. So he got put in the bin as well with Kerman and Wakefield down to eleven men at half time, uh, trailing uh, ten points to four. Salford in in control. You know, looking good and. We thought, well, with the uh, with the two man advantage, it was only going to be a, a matter of time to build a big lead, but it was a bit different, wasn't it? Yeah, we had to wait seven minutes in the second half. I think um, Danny Kerman had come back on. Ben Jones Bishop was still off. He came back on after, uh, I think it was fifty minutes or three minutes later. So we we did actually score two tries with the two guys in the sim bin. Just about Mark Flanagan went over and Ryan Lannan. So we sort of blitz Wakefield there with three tries in the. Uh, in five in sorry in five minutes in the second half 47 49 and 52 minutes so uh, you know it, it did it did work out in our favor that they had the the two guys in the same yeah and the Flanagan try Josh Jones working the the uh, the short side and sends Flanagan under the post you know Josh Jones outstanding on 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 Friday night Paul he was he was I mean I've mentioned it a few times I mean he had a couple of quiet games and I thought he was pretty quiet the magic weekend but you know he does he does a lot of a lot of things like you know off the ball things and that was a good ball for Flanagan but yeah I thought he played well in the second half at Magic and I thought he had a really good game on uh, on Friday night against Wakefield yeah and then we extended our lead another try for Lannan a kick to the corner Evels gets high enough pots it down and Lannan grabs his second uh, two tries you know big tries in the game and possibly in our season and you know it's a good thing from the from Salford and the lad himself yeah that extended our lead to 22 points to four that you know I remember thinking at the time maybe we just we've just done enough here now to win the game because you're always a bit wary, aren't you, of a comeback and things like that, especially after that Warrington game. So I think when we went over there we was heading in the right direction, and then obviously a few minutes later Adam Wall making a fantastic break and, and putting Robert Louis over. It was another thrilling try that, and then that put the icing on the cake for me when we went twenty eight four up. Yeah, what a burst by Adam Wall! Oh great, yeah, it was great strength, great footwork. You know. He's improving at all the time. You know, he's, he's another he's another special player for me as Adam. I mean, both the Warren brothers have, have progressed really well. But I just think Adam at the moment, he, he looks a, a really good forward. He's, he's very tough. He's got a good pair of feet. He's got pace as well. And he, he works hard. He does a lot of tackling. You know, it's good to see sometimes because sometimes you see youngsters coming to the side and, you know, they struggle and they're not quite up to the mark. But, you know, Adam Walls, you know, he's a, he's a proven first team player now and I'm very pleased for him. Yeah, I think it was intelligent as well, the way he kind of like acted, angled his run away from Rob Louie to give him the ball and send Louie under the post uh, and Rob Louie, you know the predator, uh, half a chance, he's there on his shoulder and he's under the post and Salford extend the lead. Yeah, definitely and just going back to Adam Wall, you, you can look at him over the last sort of 12, 12 months how much he's improved and he's he's, he's improved, you know, no end on he's, he doesn't look he looks a special player now, and he's a he's a lad that's going to be in the in the side every week. But yeah, Jacob Miller was put on report after 63 minutes for. Uh, he looked a bad one to me. It was a shoulder charge on Gareth O'Brien, and um, O'Brien looked in a in a in a bit of distress after that. So uh, I thought it was a bit of a cheap shot that, and a bit naughty from Jacob Miller. But but George Griffin's try was 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 brilliant. I thought he showed real strength, and uh, you know it had to be finished that he had to reach out and and score that. So. Uh, that really did did seal the win. That thirty two points to four. Yeah, Griffin has been fantastic. His his performances are getting better and better every 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 week. Uh, Paul, you know, he's showed great strength, great power there, and he's another forward that you know has has, has caught the uh, you know the attention of fans there through this season. Yeah, he's a workhorse, George Griffin. He's not the biggest of blokes, um, but I think he punches above his weight every week, and you get hundred percent graft out of him. Does a lot of tackling. He runs the ball in hard, makes makes the yards and. Uh, you know, he pops up for the for the odd try, try every now and again. So, he, you know, you need them sort of players in your team. And it's very pleasing to see him doing well. Yeah, so it's also the leading 34 points to four at that point. Uh, and Ben Jones-Bishop uh, scores a consolation try uh, for Wakefield. The ball kind of goes out wide and 
he goes over in, in, in the corner. Uh, but so far, out finished with a try by Junior Sow at the death ball. Uh, good hands by Robert Louis. Uh, finds Sow and Sow, you know, crashes over. He's not going to be stopped uh, from that distance. That was a super try. That, and it sort of epitomised the game to me that the hooter went um, while the ball was still alive. And even though the hooter had gone, you're 34 points to wait up. That team wanted to. They wanted to have the last laugh. They wanted to have the final score. And my dad always used to say to me, and he still says it now: it's always good to score the last try to send the supporters home happy with that thought in the mind. And Junior Sal going over there, fans' favourite Junior. He finished brilliantly in the corner there. Really good hands. Hoot has gone, but they still grafted and wanted to get that last try. And the desire took him over to me at the end there. There was two defenders out wide on Sal, and he, he there was no way he was going to be stopped. And that was that was a great try. Yeah, it shows that obviously the, the morale in the, in, the, in the camp. That, you know, they're willing to, you know, go to the very end and try and score. Uh, you know, it's good, it's a good sign, you know, especially with games to come where they might be a bit closer. And, you know, if we get an opportunity like that, uh, we've, we've done it before and we can do it again. Yeah, of course. Of course. And I think, um, you know, we witnessed winning on Sunday. Um, they've gone sort of, there's a four point cushion now between that top eight, but we've still got to play witness, as we've said before. But another important thing is the points difference. There's, all, there's obviously a lot of sides in the league who's got worse points difference than us, you know, in and around us, because we've won more games than they have. Um, so yeah, points difference could come into it, you know, at the, when we when we're looking at the top eight, you know, come July. So, so yeah, 38-8 to win by 30 points against Wakefield. They've been on a good run of form. I thought that was a really really solid result, and it was a solid performance. I mean, we've had performances this season where we played well for the odd 20 minutes here and there. Or we say the Magic Week, and we played well for the second half. I think on on Friday night it was a good. Good solid eighty-minute performance. Yeah, that's what you know. That's what we kind of you know strive for being a soul fan. We don't get many performances like that. That you know, from minute one to minute minute eighty, we're on the ball. You know, we're focused, and uh, you know, we, we get the result in the end. No, there's not been many of those. There's not been many of those. But you know, that's what you've got. To, you've got, like you say, that's what you've got to strive for. Now they're the sort of results that are going to get you in the top eight, beating those sides that are in, in and around you. We've got a few more of them coming up soon. Obviously, Wigan's going to be be tough on Friday night, they're a, they're a side at the top of the game, at the top of the league, but when you do get the likes of Wakefield, we've got Castleford coming up, I think, and Huddersfield soon at home, they're the sort of games you've got to put to bed and and, and, and beat those sides at home. Yeah, so looking at the stats, um, tackling uh, George Griffin with 35, Malak Flanagan with 32, um, Adam Warren with 24, Ben Murdoch Masala with 24, Crop Jack with 26, Phil Joseph with 27. Thought Phil Joseph had another good game on Friday, Paul, in his hooker role. Yeah, he, he is. He always seems to me like he's playing to a bit of a bit of a pattern, really. I think Tim and, and Ian Watson have, you know, sort of said to him, you know, that this is the game you, you want to play, because I'd like to perhaps see him run from dummy half a bit more, but I don't think that's Phil's game. But if you look at his passing, his distribution from dummy half, there's not many blokes at Salford who can pass a ball as good as him. Mm. He, you know, his, his pass finds the mark every time. He's a very accurate passer of the ball, and I thought he did well. Um, but he's a big bloke. I'd just like to see him run from dummy half a bit more because I know every time he played against us, um, he was always really hard to stop, wasn't he? And he sort of took two or three blokes to put him down. So, but maybe he's playing to a game plan, like we say. Yeah, I noticed that on on Friday. You know, he always seems to hit the spotlight, like you said, and. I think it's so important the you know being the hooker role you know your pass has either got to be quick or it's got to be accurate uh, and Phil Joseph passes is accurate and he's he's spot on a lot of the the moves they put on um, he put in the right spot for the likes of Rob Louie and, and Dobson to to catch and, and it adds that bit of you know that zip to the to, to the move and you know it's it's a good thing obviously I was a bit you know when he when he first moved into the hooker role I was thinking how's this going to work but you know last last few weeks. You know he's been outstanding for me, and you know hopefully it'll continue. Well, that's right. Yeah, you've got you've got Phil there distributing the ball well and and putting the graft in, putting the tackling in. You've got guys like Robert Louis, Gareth O'Brien, and Michael Dobson and Nia Levels as well who are going to finish moves off. They're going to create the the stuff and uh, and do the uh, do the exciting stuff. But you've got to have lads on there who are going to do the basic stuff, and I think Phil's one of them, and he's doing his job really well. And he gives you 100% every week anyway, and that's all you can ask for, really. Yeah, uh, looking at the big metre makers, Junior Sal with 144, Rob Lewis with 106, uh, George Griffin with 97, Paul, um, Joshua Jones 125, Michael Dobson with 106, Craig Kopchak with 116, Ben Murnham Masai with 108. Great that there's so many uh, players you know, getting over that 100 mark. It shows that we were dominant throughout yeah, definitely. I mean, just going back to Michael Dobson, I I think Michael Dobson this last month or so has been out, been outstanding. 
Um, I don't. He, he just seems to me. I remember saying to my dad on Friday, he looks like the player he was when he was at Hull KR. You know, the, the amount of times we went up to Hull KR and Michael Dobson played against us and you know beat us on his own, didn't he? And he's he's in that sort of form again for me, leading us around the pitch. You know, making breaks. I mean, how many breaks did he make on on Friday? He looks so dangerous with the ball, and. Um, yeah, I mean, last season he had those injuries and he looked a shadow of the player he, he, he once was, but I think he's getting back to form now and, you know, he's he's mustered when he's on his game. Yeah, he's definitely, one, you know, our major player. You know, he gets us around the field and, that, and that's what you want, I suppose, you know, in your, in your scrum half. You want people, uh, you know, to run off him and he's got plenty of runners around him at the moment, you know, making good angles for him to, to, to find and hopefully, you know, he'll continue to, to have the runners and continue to put... You know, some great performances. It's only going to benefit us because obviously we're on our charge to the top eight. And I'm sure if he continues the way he's playing at the moment, uh, you know, we'll get there. Yeah, and his kicking game's been good as well. But I think his leadership qualities are, are up there for all to see as well. He he shouts at the lads, he gets them going. And, you know, he, he's, he's a real general on the pitch. And, you know, you look through the other sides in Super League, the, there's not many players as good as him. Michael Dobson's up there with the best scrum halves in the league, for, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, so we're looking obviously looked at quick look at the stats, Paul. Um, who was your man of the match? Um, mine was a, a toss up really between Ryan Lann and Robert Louis and Michael Dobson. I couldn't really go between the three of them, but I've given it to Robert Louis and Dobson a few times this season, so I'll be diplomatic and I'll give it to Ryan Lannan because you know I was really impressed with him. He took his two tries really well, worked really hard, and you know I think for that try he scored alone was a, was worth a man of the match award. Yeah, I'm going to go for Josh Jones. I thought he was outstanding. Um, you know what? Obviously, you know, a new signing for us this season and he's got to be, a, I don't want to start influencing any votes like, but he's got to be a shoe in for, you know, newcomer, uh, you know, best newcomer in Salford. He's, he's been, you know, he's tackling, he, he plays in the back row, he plays in the in the centre. You know, they move him around, whichever position he plays in, he puts in a, a 100% performance uh, for me. And, you know, he's, he's a fantastic buy for us, I thought. And, you know, he, he was fantastic on, on Friday as well. Yeah, I think you're right there, um, Rob. But I think another lad who will be pushing for that newcomer there is Gareth O'Brien as well. I think you've got yeah. two there, two really good mm. newcomers in Gareth and, and Josh Jones. So uh, I won't like to have to pick pick that award. Yeah, as well. We put we normally throw it out for a vote, so people will have the will have the say towards the end of the season. Uh, and I suppose it gives uh, Josh and, and Gaz the, the the chance to you know keep playing well. And you know who knows they might they might end up with a little trophy at the end if the the budget can stretch. Um, other We've got other three words, man of the match. Uh, we've got Rockin' Roy Ellaby. He says, bubble, that burst. Uh, he hasn't got a man, a man of the match, though. Uh, Chris and Janet Shenton, uh, their man of the match was Jones. But hard to pick. Um, could have been many three words. Let's keep going. Uh, Colin Reynolds, Wakefield's bubble burst. Uh, his man of the match uh, was Dobbo. Um, Martin, superb defense, eff uh, defensive effort. Uh, his man of the match was Josh Jones. Uh, more than that, um, that was Adam Wilde. His man of the match was Josh Jones. Nicholas Fletcher, team effort completely. And uh, his man of the match was Jones as well. A lot of people like, like myself going for Jones. And, uh, you know, I think it was well-deserved for me. Yeah, I'm glad you have to read them man of the matches out. They're a bit cryptic, some of them, aren't they? They sound a bit hard to read. Some of these need to have a work on the grammar, don't they? What <laughs> <laughs> is joking, but but yeah, I think a lot of people have gone for Jones, and yeah, like I said, I, I thought he played really well. You could have give that man of the match award to a, a number of players, and, and that's a good thing. I mean, last season we were relying on certain players, weren't we? And whereas this season you've got a real team spirit now, and you know I've noticed every week when you go to the game, I come back and I think because I always know you're going to ask me who the man of the match was and I struggle some weeks because there's that many players who've you know play we played like a team and, and that's good I think you know that we've got that spirit and that togetherness and and uh, and great there's not just one man doing all the work you know they're sharing it round and everybody's working towards the, the goal yeah chairman Bob he jumped on the Josh Jones uh, man of the match uh, bandwagon uh, he said got the win um, and Ray Raymond Snow said very good win uh, and his man of the match was Josh Jones as well. But it's great, um, you know, we, we really love, you know, with interaction uh, with people when they put the three-word man of the match. Sometimes I'm a bit worried sometimes when I put it out and then no one replies straight away. But I suppose, obviously, people have, have things they're doing um, and, they've, you know, people eventually come come up with them. And like I said, having a three-word match report, it makes it a bit more creative, Paul, and, you know, people have to think about what they're going to put. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. That one where we didn't get any any uh, man of the matches, yeah, it must have been a defeat. It must have been a defeat that. Yeah. Well, to, to be honest, <laughs> is, 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 what usually happens is if if we if we get beat, we get lot we get lots of angry people. Yeah. Um, but when we win, sometimes you're scratching around. People don't really, you know, react to it. It's strange. Yeah. You think it'd be because we just because we just expect to win, Rob. You know, because <laughs> it's just same old, same old. That's four, isn't it? Yeah. Same old, same old, isn't it? So, uh, but anyway, big thanks for everyone uh, who uh, you know gets involved. You know, tweets us and and Facebook us, and you know it's it's your podcast as well as ours. You know, I mean, the more interaction, the, the better uh, for me. Uh, so thanks very much for, for for obviously getting involved in that three word match report. Um, and now what we'll do, we'll have a look what our amateur size did uh, this week in the uh, results and fixtures with Paul. Well, we start this week's amateur review by looking at the international results from some of the youngsters that play, were played this week. England Academy beat France under 18s by 52 points to 10. That game was played at the Helliwell Jones on Friday as a curtain raiser to the Leeds and uh, Warrington game. So that, that's a big, big win for England under Academy there. A 26 6 up at half time. They ran away with it again in the second half, beating the French by 52 points to 20. The Bar of Great Britain Cougars under 23s played two. Two matches against Jamaica. They beat Jamaica B by 58 points to 10. That was on Wednesday. And on Saturday, they beat Jamaica Hurricanes by 38 points to 6. Uh, two sort of local lads playing there from the Oldham area. Josh Bradbury of Saddleworth Rangers and James Shaw of Oldham St. Anne. So congratulations to the Baller Great Britain Cougar under 23s with two uh, excellent victories there. Moving on to the National Conference scoreboard, there wasn't many games this weekend really, we had uh, one fixture on Wednesday night in the Conference Challenge Trophy first round, that was Waterhead Warriors 8, East Leeds 30. On Saturday we had one result in the Premier Division, that was Sidall 36, Lee Miners Rangers 6. In Division 3 it was Oldham St Anne's 26, Waterhead Warriors 28 in a local Oldham derby there. Very close game. That eighteen six up at half time. Oldham St Anne's Waterhead coming back in the second half. Drives from Fitzgerald, Mar, Davis, Hewitt and Pemberton. And Water Warriors ran away 28-26 in a very narrow contest. The fixtures for this Saturday, the 4th of June. We've just got the two in the National Conference Leagues. In the Premier Division, it's West Hull against Rochdale Mayfield. And in Division 2, Blackbrook take on the Salford City Roosters. Well, the North West Men's League, there wasn't that many scores to bring you from this week, but the ones I've got I'll give to you. On Thursday night, Thursday the 26th of May, it was Caddyshead Rhinos, A20, Langworthy Reds, 26. On Friday, it was Halton Farnworth Hornets, 24, Manchester Rangers, 10. Saturday, in Division 4, Little Halton Reds, 38, Caddyshead Rhinos, 16. In the Merritt League, it was Littleborough, 54, Northwest Tigers, 6. And the fixtures for this coming weekend, Friday, the 3rd of June, it's Manchester Rangers against Lee East A. On Saturday, the 4th of June, in Division 2, it's Blackpool Scorpions against Berry Broncos, Widnes Tigers versus Rochdale Mayfield A. And in Division 4, Berry Broncos A play the Bolton Mets, Caddyshead Rhinos face West Horton Lions, Eccleston Lions play the Rochdale Cobras, and Manchester Rangers A play Little Hulton Reds. In Division 5, it's Clockface Miners A against Caddyshead Rhinos A, Langworthy Reds against Ashton Bears A, and Salford City Roosters A against the Leyland Warriors A. In the Merritt League, Northwest Tigers take on Blackpool, Stanley, and the Mancunians play Ince Rosebridge A, Little Borough face Aspel New Springs. And the the 19s were in action this week. They went down by 30 points to nil away at London Broncos. So that's it for this week with the amateur reports. I'll see you next week. Thanks, Paul, for that. So what we're going to do now, obviously it's our special game day uh, podcast. We're going to talk to a Wigan fan uh, about the game uh, today. I'm joined by uh, Dave Goodwin, right, Dave? Hiya, you okay? Yeah, looking forward to, to the day. Be a time. big game. Yeah, always a good joy coming Grateful, yeah. On that role. I say you, you come, you come to Salford though through a few of the years. You've had some, uh, you know, good games down at Willows and at the stadium. Uh, you've been to both. You know, what, what do you think is the difference? You feel the AJ Bell is becoming more of Salford's home. It is, but I think everything was around was around um, the old ground, wasn't it? And if you think about the, the old Con Club and the, the Church Hall and things like that, it was just a great social gathering. And I think that's missing now uh, from the stadium. I much preferred going to the Willows in the old days, or yeah. the old standing, I mean, and it was just a fantastic environment, wasn't it, there, and I don't think it's quite got it the same 
at Salford. I suppose it's the same with you when you went move from Central Park to the JJB. You've got to kind of adapt. Um, obviously, you look back at Central Park for your Wigan spectacles, think it was the perfect place, but you've gone now with the JJB. Um, you know, DW now, now sorry, yeah. yeah you know, know, I suppose you, as a club, you've got to move forward, and and that's what Wigan did, really. You have. I mean, they both got great facilities, but I think also you lose a lot of the atmosphere when you've no corners in the grounds. It takes a lot of that, you know, that atmosphere. You go Saints or Warrington's, and they've got a lot of those corners. There's, the atmosphere seems to be a little bit more red hot when it gets on a roll. Where it's, you know, unless you've got a big crowd in, it doesn't seem to be the same at places like that. But I guess I'm a traditionalist. I like the old style, you know. Um, grounds where we're stood there and you're in the uncovered especially in Yorkshire they don't like roofs there do they? no uh, so so uh, but I still prefer that type of ground but you know it, things can only get better you're still only what five six years there yeah yeah you know so things can only what it really needs from my perspective looking in uh, looking inwards from outwards is you need the you need the local people supporting the club more and getting to the ground and filling it that might come where that, if you look at your side now it's a lot more there's more, more about it, isn't there? More chance of success with that. I know you've had your salary cap, but you would be there or there comfortably in the eight and challenging. And with someone like Sheen's there, you can only go from strength to strength. But I do think it's time the fans to get behind. Yeah, I suppose with Salford, we're building to try and become a Wigan, but obviously Wigan have been a successful club for, you know, let's say 20, 30 years. And you've got that kind of like um, legacy that, you know, that, that you follow. And I think it'd be difficult for Salford to, to obviously get to there straight away. It's going to take time, isn't it? I think it is, and I think it's very much around the surrounding area because Wigan's a hotbed of rugby, rugby league and you look at local towns like it, like St Helens and Warrington, they don't have any premiership football or uh, as such. Wigan Athletic being the exception, but it's, they've always been rugby towns so everyone lives and breathes it. Salford's part of a big conurbation, isn't it? You know, And people will go and watch City United rather than come to Salford and success will drive that. But I think we've got then the culture, because of the area, we've got a youth system that works. How many clubs are still full of Wigan players, uh, you know, that have not quite made it at Wigan, but are out there and having successful careers elsewhere. And I think we've got those foundations that allow us an infrastructure that allows us to, to be where we are. Yeah, obviously looking at this season, uh, it's been about sort of still top of the league, I suppose, near the top. Um, but how, how would you assess your season so far? Um, I think it's hard, isn't it? Because with the injuries that we've had, and I know every club gets them, but we've had considerable injuries. We've had them in the spine of the team, uh, certainly around the halves. I don't think we've really ever replaced the likes of Blake Green. Mike Smith, as you know from his time at your place, depends on another half who's, you know, controlling half. George Williams is more your jinking, you know, one-on-one -on -one individual uh, than Mike Smith. And, he, you know, he's not got that experience yet as Blake Green, and he's been out injured, so it's lack of game time. I do believe we keep with him and we should go with him. Um, but there's been a lot of pressure on Matty Smith. And then there's not been so much of the balance in the side. You look at Sargentson playing full-back, Tierney on the wing, when Tierney's clearly a winger and Sargentson's at the uh, centre. The forwards have been light at times. And I don't think we've got the biggest pack anyway. He's gone for a light over the last couple of seasons. I think the biggest disappointment out of all that for me is, I mean, we are where we are and it's great to be there. It's the style of play. You know, the attack has not been not been fantastic whatsoever. Some of that's down to, you know, the halves, etc. and the players in front of them. But we play very much to a set play. I watched sides like Castlefield last week and the way they throw the ball around. I just wish we were more expansive and we're just not. I suppose as a fan that's what you want. You want to see expansive yeah, rugby league. And... Absolutely. And I think the fans are getting a little bit frustrated with Wayne's type of, of coaching. Personally, I think he's the man. I, I think we've struggled a little bit with attacks since the likes of Estin Harris left and Paul Deakin. And I don't think we've ever replaced them. And I think somewhere in there, we need to get back to having an attack-minded coach to support Wayne. Do you, do you reckon, obviously, you've had a bit of a difficult, difficult week, uh, you know, in the squad with, with players falling out with each other, let's call it. Um, do you reckon that's going to affect uh, the team's morale looking I, forward to the game? I don't think so. I think, you know, the fact that, that he's in the squad, uh, now whether he's selected, I don't know. But I think we're going to take in the sensible option of going down the lines and waiting for any police investigations. There'll be lots of rumours. Let's face it, this club's fall out week in, week out. Salford have had your share with your hocks and your chases over the last few yeah, years, haven't you? yeah. Does it really have an effect on motivation? I'm not sure it does. Players will get a game's head on and they'll, they'll play, you know. Um, so uh, the club will do what's right um, by by the rumours and what's going on, and only time will tell with that. Personally, I think he's a fantastic player. He's the best player in Super League at the moment. 
um, and he would be a it'd be a big miss to any club if you were to lose him. So hopefully, it's not as bad as the rumours are anticipating, and it'll be dealt with appropriately. And obviously, looking, you know, and uh, expanding it. Um, obviously, Marwan Kukash is looking to kind of like um, change the RFL structure and and you know trying to fix the salary cap. Um, what's your take on it? Do you think Marwan's going the right way around it? Uh, no. As a rugby league fan, no, do you think I, you think rugby league needs change though? I think rugby league does, and I think it needs to be done with everyone's agreement. I mean, we've tried to expand. You know, we've got Canada now and there. Are we ever going to get there? Trip to France is, you know, two or three times a year. Yeah. It's hard work. But we tried Wales, haven't we? Tried London. Great days for the fans, but it's just not took off in it as well as we wanted in those areas, and it's not necessarily had the infrastructures again. So I think it does need change, and we need to expand. I don't think we can keep it as, as you know, just in the local 62 corridor. I think we need to expand. I think some of that needs to come from an international level. So whether it's Super League or not, we need to make, have a, make a competitive Yorkshire-Lancashire game quite appropriate with the state of origin. And if we had something like that, but we'll always be struggling. So I think I think Marwan does himself no favours with other with other co- uh, fans out there because we just hear the the sort of the bad press that you know some of his statements come out with, and I think it's lost uh, lost on some of the other chairmen who were probably trying to stay, stay shy of, of his approach to things. I'm not saying his arguments aren't, aren't bounded, but his approach. Well, I suppose Wigan, with Maurice Lindsay, he was a loud, outspoken chairman as well back in the day, and you know, it helped Wigan, didn't it, in a way? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Was he as outspoken as Marwan? No. I'd say what I want to say, mm. uh, and he's not picking his battles at the minute to get people support. He has some very valid points. But again, the question is, how do we compete with Australia with, with their salary cap? The exchange rate doesn't compare, you know, to what we've got. It is one of their national sports. It's an M62 corridor for us. How do we compete with that? Yeah, I suppose it's a difficult situation. Obviously, Marwan wants to expand the game, uh, but in the circumstances around what, what, he's, what he's got available, you can't really do that, unfortunately. You can, but I think this is where you need to start getting the infrastructures of your infrastructures of your youth team going, because, I mean, we've got, we're going to have got the same amount to spend and your Warringtons and your, and your Leeds, but they've got, you know, they've got youth systems that are now working, that they've got players coming through. We very, very rarely buy a player. Mm. We tend to buy players at the moment who have gone away to Australia or to Rugby Union and come back so we know the time tested but a lot of ours are coming through the youth system um, so people are managing and being successful within that mm. at international levels whether we can do that or not maybe we need some more feeder clubs over in Australia that we can you know blood players in there come back over here and we can expand the game in that way um, but I'm not sure that just trying to throw money at it is the right way. But say to, to defend Salford, you know, we've got some, you know, you've coming through. We've got Jake Bibby, um, we've got Ryan Lannan, uh, you know, we've got players coming through. Uh, our system, obviously, not the same kind of rate as a Wigan system, but, no. you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a step in the right direction. It takes time, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's what we, we want as fans. We want to be able to, to compete with the likes of Wigan, but we have got a, a solid base at the moment to come from, in, in my eyes, anyway. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, score prediction for today, what do you reckon? Don't forget you're on a Soul for Red Devils podcast, <laughs> so just be gentle. Well, I can never go against a Wigan victory. I think we're just starting a wee bit of form, um, which we've not had the last two games, especially Castleford away. Uh, Castlefield away on um, last week was a fantastic performance, defensively, I thought. I think you'll be hard to beat, you'll be, you'll be strong in the forwards. I'm going to say there's about six points in it. I'm going to go with a Wigan win. Wigan win by six. And I'm going to go for, let's predict, a 26-20 win. 26-20, right. So what I'll do, we'll talk to Paul now uh, and we'll see what's uh, the big build-up for the big game. It's time for the Devil of the Details Big Match Preview. So, big game on Friday. Salford Red Devils take on Wigan Warriors. You know, Salford, happy after a great performance against Wakefield, Paul. And we're looking, you know, for another big performance against Wigan on Friday. Yeah, certainly, certainly. I think it's going to be a, a big step up. No disrespect for Wakefield, but Wigan's going to be a big test for us now. I know Wakefield beat Wigan by 60-odd points, didn't they, a while ago, but it was a different Wigan team to the one we're going to face on uh, on Friday night. They've got some star players, haven't they, and some international players all over the, the pitch, a big pack of forwards. It's going to be a tough test to, to see where we're at at the moment, but you know, I don't see why any, any reason why we can't give them a really good game and turn them over. 
Yeah, look, in, uh, obviously in the, in the news, in the Rugby League news, there's been a bit of a haltication in, uh, with a couple of Wigan players, Paul. Obviously, there's a bit of an investigation going on, so we, we don't really know the full story. But, you know, do you think it might kind of affect their, you know, build-up? You know, obviously, the disruption, let's call it. Um, I don't know, really. It could go out a couple of ways, couldn't it, really? It could affect them or it could bring them together. I don't I don't really know. I mean, we're only surmising on what we've seen. I mean, nobody knows apart from the players who were there, I suppose. But I don't think we can let that get in the way of our preparation. I mean, that's up to Wigan to sort out. I mean, we're just interested in ourselves, aren't we? And, and what we've got to do. And we know we've got a big job and we've got you know, a big defensive job and Wigan like to score points. And But I think you can score points against them. I watched them against Castleford last week and... Casford scored 26 points against them. We were a bit unlucky not to, to get some out of the game. So I think there's definitely points to be scored if you can move the ball wide against Wigan. Yeah, we were very unlucky uh, away at Wigan earlier on in the season. Uh, kind of a disputed kind of try at the end that, that robbed us. But, you know, thinking you know back then, you know, we, we were a good side. You know, we, we tested them uh, that game and I'm sure we're going to do it all again on, on Friday. Yeah, we certainly did test them that day. We got it back to 16 apiece, didn't we? And we're a bit unlucky not to, to get at least a draw out of that game. And, you know, the same last season, we had a great win against Wigan at home on Easter Monday. And then we went away from home and we should have won away from home. We were leading that game 12-0. And eventually Wigan came back and, and just pipped us 19-12. I think it was a 17-12. But the last three times we played them have been really tight games. And, you know, that's not something that everybody can say about playing Wigan. You know, they're a good side, aren't they? A champion side. And... And uh, yeah, we had some we've had some close runnings with them recently, and I think we can get on on top of them on on Friday, especially the way we're playing at the moment. We've got a bit of momentum after those two wins, and like I said, it's just uh, I think if you try and play Wigan up the middle, they'll beat you with the forwards. They've got a big pack of forwards. I think the way to beat them is get is get that ball moving out wide, and uh, you know we've got some we've got some good players out wide on the fringes, haven't we? You know, lots of Junior Sow and Josh Jones, Nia Levels. No, we, we. I think we've got the pace to uh, to cause Wigan problems. Yeah, a few ex Reds in in the Wigan uh, side, Manfredi, uh, Matty Smith. You know they'll be coming back uh, to the AJL, and I'm, I'm sure that you know the boys will be up for giving them a, a tough contest. Definitely, Oliver Gildart as well. He was uh, on loan with us last season, and I was very very impressed with him when he was on loan at Salford. He, he looks a really quality kid, and um, he's progressed this season, and he, he's a he's a cracking centre now. And uh, Don Manfredi as well, you know, we're going about Josh Charnley. I think Don Manfredi's a better player. I think, you know, no no disrespect to Josh Charnley, but I think Don Manfredi would be, you know, being in my Super League sort of dream team, he's he's a cracking winger, you know, all the size he's got, good step, loads of pace, good in the air when the eyeball goes up. And um, we all know all about Matty Smith. Just watching that Cass game last week, he was the, the best player on the pitch, Matty Smith, leading Wigan around. He's very similar to, to our Michael Dobson, really, and he's a, the general on the field and, uh, you know, another quality player. Yeah, and Logan Tonkins uh, gets the opportunity to take on his brothers, Joel and uh, Sam. You know, a bit of brotherly love on the field, you know, getting stuck into him. It's all about that sibling rivalry, I suppose. Yeah, that's going to be strange, that. And I mean, we've had the three Griffin brothers playing, haven't we, all on the same side, but you're going to have two two there against one, aren't we, with, uh, with Logan, so... Uh, so yeah, it should be interesting that, and it's uh, it's been good to see Sam Tompkins come back to back to England. I mean, I know he gets a bit of bad press sometimes, but he's, he's a quality player, isn't he? And uh, I just hope we can keep him quiet on Friday night because you know you let him run and he can create things, can't he, Sam Tompkins? Yeah, what's your what's that with your weather prediction, Paul? Like we always do. Uh, well, you know, yeah, we we build jails. Yeah, he's the weather looks like it's going to be all right on on Friday from what I've seen on the old iPhone, but. I just think um, I think we can we can turn them over. I think it's going to be a tight game, but um, my prediction um, yesterday was twenty points to eighteen. So I'm going to I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to say it's going to be really tight. We're going to edge it, you know, with with a penalty goal. I think. Yeah. To be honest, we, we, do we want it to be a bit of a you know cloudy, cold, wet kind of day to obviously you know may upset Wigan's sort of routine. Um, well, I, to be honest, everyone watching, I prefer it to be nice and warm. So. I, I think it's going to be all right, though, Rob. I don't think we're going to get snow in June. Also, <laughs> we're just going to have to grin and bear it, aren't we? We have yeah. to put up with a nice weather. Yeah. So obviously, you know, weather aside, Paul, I think it's going to be a good game. I think obviously Salford are going to be full of confidence after the last couple of you know couple of games, and you know we're going to test Wigan. I've got a funny feeling. Obviously, you know the players are going to be up for it. Uh, you know, the, you know a few Wigan lads, you know, wanting wanting to uh, you know put one over on on, on Wigan Warriors, a big club, uh, and and obviously you know if we do. Scalp them, you know, that's going to be a feather in the cap. I would go uh, for a Salford victory, 26-6. I've got a feeling we're going to start quick again. 
knock them off the knock them off the stride uh, and uh, come away with the points, Paul. Twenty six six. Wow! If we beat Wigan twenty six six, Jesus, I'd be doing cartwheels. But it's like when the fixtures come out, rubbing it. I mean, with the 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 fixtures you look for, I mean. The, the Wigan home game is a massive game and it's probably one of the biggest games of the season. Same as St. Helens and, and maybe Leeds as well, but I'd say Wigan's probably the, the beat for a Salford fan, especially for me anyway. Wigan's one of the biggest games. It's a highlight of the season and especially being at home to them. So it always has been for me and, you know, we've not you know beat Wigan that many times in sort of my lifetime, but we have had some good days against Wigan, haven't we, you know, in Lancashire Cups and league games and you know, that winning the Challenge Cup. So we have turned them over a few times. So, you know, I, th- I think it could be a tight game, but, you know, you're 26-6, I'd take that all day long. But uh, any, win- any winner do us, wouldn't it? I mean, especially the run we're on at the moment. If we can get the two points, I mean, Widnes are away at Hull, so that's going to be a tough game for them. So if we can get two points, we're back in that hunt for the for the top eight. Yeah, well, I'd say we're not even spoke about the, the race for, for the top eight uh, at the moment, Paul. It's obviously with Widnes winning, uh, beating Huddersfield, uh, it kind of puts that buffer that they put up again, but obviously only won one in the last eight witness, haven't they? So they're not a, a team in form, um, and I'm sure if you know if we manage to turn uh, Wigan over, uh, say did they say they go to Hull? They go to Hull on uh, Friday this week. Uh, there's a match on. Just get me my fixtures up. There's a match on Thursday. Uh, I think it's Hull Kingston Rovers who play tomorrow night, and the rest of the games are on are on Friday. The rest of the other five are all on Friday. It's Wakefield against Hull Care on Thursday night, and Huddersfield Cass. Friday, Hull FC, Witness, Leeds, Catalan, Salford, Wigan, and St. Helens, Warrington. So that's a tough game that for uh, for Witness to go to Hull. I mean, I don't. If you correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think they've lost many. I think they've lost one this season at home. So um, that's going to be a tough game for Witness to go to. I know they was quite fortunate from what I gather to beat Huddersfield at weekend. They were trailing in that game. I think it was sixteen yeah. um, nil to to Huddersfield. So and sixteen four at half time. So they've really really blown. Uh, Blown a lead there at Huddersfield. And I expected Huddersfield to, to beat Witness, but um, no, I think I fancy Hull to, to knock Witness off on Friday. So if we can win, then we're only two points behind them again. Yeah, it's always great when both teams are kind of playing at the same time because obviously, let's say yeah. we get, you know, we're getting the lead and we you know build the lead up, it's going to get fed to to, to the to the, yeah, players, is, yeah. the fans and then the nerves set in and then you start freezing and then you know it, it's kind of becomes a bit of a you know a, a roller coaster, um, you know. Ride there, uh, witness because they they see Salford coming up on 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 the on the shoulders, uh, and you know any little bit of pressure that that builds, um, you know, is going to be good for us. Definitely, yeah, you're right, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but this season I don't think we've won won three games on the bounce, have we? So to beat Wigan on on Friday will get us over that hurdle, and then obviously thinking onto the week after we go away to Leeds, and that's going to be tough. I mean, as bad as Leeds have been this season, it's always tough going there. But if we could go there with the confidence of winning three games on the spin and just being two points outside that top eight, that game at Leeds then becomes a real cup final for us, doesn't it? And I mean, mm. I, don't, I don't know whether Leeds are going to have that much on that game as, as what we've got on it, because, you know, they're probably settling for the for the middle eights now, aren't they? So are they going to have as much desire as we've got to, to win that game? Maybe not. So, you know, it's momentum now for me. I mean, who knows what momentum can take you anywhere, can't it? And you can keep winning and, and producing. Where'd a good run start? I mean, now's a start at two wins, so if we can keep that going on Friday, it's a massive test against Wigan, but there's no reason why we can't. Yeah, I agree with that, Paul. Obviously, you know, obviously people who are, you know, kind of dipping in and out of Salford in, in, the, in the news and that, they look at the the news and they beat Wigan one week and then they beat Leeds the next week. They think, oh, you know, Salford have got a side here. They obviously don't know that Leeds are stuck at the bottom of the league, like, but, you know, it's a name and, you know, Salford able to, you know, knock these top teams off the perch, they think. You know, they might think, oh, come down and, and watch the next don't they? Yeah, of course it is. I mean, we don't win at, win at places like Leeds very often and pe- people can rubbish them and say that they've, they're not doing very well this season, but they've still got, you know, international players all over the place, haven't they? Zach Hardaker, Callum Watkins, Danny Maguire, Keith Galloway, you know, people like that, Cuthbertson, Ferris, Delaney, the, the list goes on, doesn't it? As bad as they are, they, you look at their side on paper and you single that every single player in their team, they've probably got a better squad on paper than what we've got. So, um, you know, how many internationals are in the Salford lineup? There's not many, is there? So, no. if any. So, um, so yeah, as we, to beat them, it'd, it'd be brilliant. And then we'd be back at home. Then I'm not too sure we've got after that. I think we play Castleford at home, don't we? At Huddersfield. So we've got another home game. Then so you know, going into that, those those home fixtures, you know, anything's possible, isn't it? And I think we play Widnes towards the end of the end of the season, don't we? As well at their place. So 
that that mid top eight for me is, is still well up for grabs, definitely. Yeah, I'm sure the boys are going to be well up for it, Paul. And you know the roller coaster ride of the chase for the eight. You know, there's plenty more ups and downs and turns to come. I reckon. Oh, I think so. I think so, definitely. I think I've heard people say, "Oh, the the what was it? The top four's nailed on." I heard somebody say it weekend uh, in the media. I can't remember who it was, and I I don't think so at all. I think there's still a chance for uh, for the, some some of those sides just outside the uh, the top eight to get in there. I mean, you've only got to look at Castleford, the, the good runner farm they've been on, mm. and they're uh, they're just outside. Wakefield just outside. St. Helens are just outside. Who'd back against St. Helens getting in the top four? So, and the same same goes for the for the uh, middle eights. I mean, down there at the bottom there, there's a lot of sides. Well, not the bottom, but sort of just below eighth. There's a lot of sides like us and Wakefield and Castleford. We're all pretty similar, aren't we? We're all fighting for that 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 same thing. So uh, I think there's loads of twists and turns left yet in it. And that's what rugby league's all about. That's why we yeah. love it, and that's why we we support Salford Red Devils. If it was a you know a calm boat along the water, be boring if it was it was easy, wouldn't it? And we was top of the league every season. <laughs> we, we don't. We, we want drama. We want rushes, and we want the <laughs> as long as it's not the million pound game. Oh no, we don't. We don't want that drama. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, I don't yeah. want that. Right. So anyway. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Um, thanks, Paul, for, for, for stepping in and, and doing a great job again. Yeah, no problem. I really enjoyed it, mate, and I can't wait for Friday. And, uh, you know, for anybody who's thinking about going, get down there because the rugby we've been playing the last few weeks, especially the Wakefield game, was tremendous. So get down because I think it'll be an exciting night. Yeah, so thanks for listening to this week's uh, podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Devil in the Detail, SRD. You can find us on Twitter, at DITD, SRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and rlinternetradio.com. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.